And yes, we do thank you for your generosity because it is through generosity that we're able to uh, accomplish what God has given us to do as a church. As we combine the resources that God has given us and as we, as we give them faithfully through the church, then we uh, are uh, more equipped to make disciples, to, uh, uh, to expand our ministry capacity. And as we look at expanding our ministry capacity, we're talking about uh, specifically right now, talking about uh, uh, starting a new campus in uh, one of the seven cities of Hampton Roads, a, a new campus to help us reach uh, those who are far from God and, and help them find life through Jesus Christ. And we are making headway, so I want to encourage you. Uh, we're having a, a campus catalyst meeting in the next couple of weeks where we begin to talk and unveil the, the, the steps to uh, uh, starting that next campus and, and where that's going to be perhaps. And uh, so you want to be here for that. Uh, and as we give faithfully we, and generously, we're uh, expanding our ministry capacity. We're uh, helping the hurting, those who are in need. We, we provide in helping uh, meet those needs. We gather for worship as you give. You're, you are, um, uh, you, you are uh, helping to provide the resources that we need to have the lights on and, and, and uh, uh, have uh, uh, the, the, the opportunities to worship in life groups as well as here in the, in the worship gathering. Uh, we uh, invest in the next generation just like that young girl who uh, gave her, her, her dollar we, uh, or coin bag. We want to do all that we can to invest in that generation. And, and as you give your resources, it helps us uh, invest in the next generation and uh, living the mission globally. Uh, at the end of this service today, we're commissioning two teams at who are going on mission. One team is going to Peru, that is myself. Uh, my uh, uh, my uh, uh, second daughter, Elizabeth, uh, and my third daughter, Maggie, we're going to Peru. And I'm going, while I'm preaching and teaching and training uh, church planters and members of, of our church plant partners um, and, and helping them in terms of discipleship and evangelism, uh, my daughters will be meeting with uh, the young people and and uh, they've asked my daughters to speak on uh, how to be a Christian or a faithful follower of Jesus in a digital age. And uh, Elizabeth, who speaks uh, uh, Spanish fluently, she's going to be doing that, uh, helping with that. Maggie will be helping, and they'll tag team that. So y'all pray for us as we leave tomorrow around noon uh, and make our way to Lima, Peru. And then Jason Waters and Seth Schwab, I believe, are the two that are going to uh, Spain. And they're going to be, we have church plant partners, and really, uh, Kurt Breland, our minister of missions, has done a tremendous job of helping um, uh, launch and, and prepare to launch a, a, uh, uh, an, an initiative in Spain that is going to uh, produce uh, generations of dividends where uh, we are helping to train pastors and, and, and leaders uh, and partner with churches. Uh, and Kurt has done a tremendous job of, of developing not just people here at First Norfolk, but also churches throughout the state of Virginia and even beyond uh, to partner with us to help us make a lasting impact in that part of Spain. So, Kurt, thank you so much for your efforts, and uh, God bless you. And y'all want to thank Kurt Breland, too. He doesn't get nearly as much uh, thanks. Usually, Kurt is the, uh, the whipping post that we go to, uh, but uh, we want to thank uh, him for that. 
Well, we are talking about generosity, and last week we looked at Proverbs chapter 11, and we began to look at the principle of generosity and, and the idea that the one who waters will himself be watered, uh, the one who blesses others generously will be blessed by God generously. And, and as we begin today, I want to, uh, uh, this past week was, uh, uh, was uh, Dr. Zeus's birthday, and so in honor of his birthday, I did want to read a little bit. I looked to see if there was uh, such a story as would help communicate the idea of generosity. And, uh, and so I, I looked and uh, uh, I could find one that speaks the opposite side. What happens when you're not generous? What happens when you are selfish? What happens when you're filled with greed? And that's the story of Lorax. And uh, I don't have time to read all of uh, Dr. Zeus' Uh, the story of Lorax, but it goes something like this. There's a young boy who's trying to find out why it is that his world is broken. And uh, so he's uh, directed to a, a place uh, where the Lorax was lifted up, uh, the, the street of the lifted Lorax. And he was advised to talk to a guy named the Onceler, uh, who at this point is an older gentleman or an older something we don't really know. It's Dr. Zeus. It could be an older, uh, call it or Googlealoo or something. But anyway, the Onceler uh, is there. And so uh, the young boy uh, talks to the Onceler, and the Onceler begins to tell the story of how when he was a young man, he entered into this wonderful place with uh, all the glorious uh, uh, advantages of a lush green uh, grass where, uh, where there were uh, truffle trees and uh, swami songs singing and, and brown barbalutes in, in barbalute suit eating truffle fruits and, and humming fish humming uh, in rippleless ponds. Um, and, but it really was the trees that made all the difference. And and this uh, onceler, this gentleman, the onceler, uh, felt great leaping of joy in my heart. I just knew what I'd do. I unloaded my cart. In no time at all, I built a small shop, and I chopped down a truffle a tree with one chop. And he goes on, and he builds a business uh, making th- needs, T-H-N-E-A-D. Um, and so uh, as he makes this the need, a Lorax shows up. Um, it goes and he says, the instant I'd finished, I heard a gazoomp. And I looked and I saw something pop out of the stump of the tree I'd chopped down. It was sort of a man. Describe him, that's hard. I don't know if I can. He was shortish and oldish and brownish and mossy. He spoke with a voice that was sharpish and bossy. Just I just thought I recognized the Lorax in our congregation. I'm sorry. I just took... I'm just kidding. Somebody came up to me after the 11 o'clock and said, that was a description of my wife. And I said, I am not going to use your name unless you give me calls to blackmail you. Um, anyway, so the Lorax comes up and he says, stop cutting down my truffle trees. He says, I speak for the trees, for the trees have no tongues. And I'm asking you, sir, to the, at the top of my lungs, uh, what's that thing you made out of my truffle tuft? And he says, it's a, it's a, th- a, a, a thneed. A thneed's a fine, some, this is uh, the, uh, 
the, the guy talking. He says, uh, this is a, th- a th- need, a th- needs of find something that all people need. It's a shirt, it's a sock, it, it's a glove, it's a hat, but it has other uses. Yes, far beyond that. You can use it for carpets, for pillows, for sheets, or curtains, or covers, or bicycle seats. And the Lorax said, sir, you are crazy with greed. Well, the, uh, the, the, the gentleman just ignores the, the thorax, and so uh, he sells a need, and he gets all excited, and, and, and so he rushed across the room, and in no time at all, he built a radio phone. I put in a quick call, and, and, and I called my brothers and uncles and aunts, and I said, listen, here, here's a wonderful chance for the whole Wunzler family to get mighty rich, get over here fast, take the road to North Niche. Uh, turn left at Weehawken, sharp right at Southstitch. And in no time at all, in the factory I built, the whole Wunzler family was working full tit, tilt. We were all knitting knees, just as busy as beads, bees to the sound of the chopping of truffle trees. Then, oh baby, oh, how my business did grow. Now chopping one tree at a time was too slow, so I quickly invented my super axe hacker, which whacked off four truffle tees trees at one smacker. We were making needs four times as fast as before in the Lorax. He didn't show up anymore. Uh, But the next week, he knocked on my door. Uh, He snapped, I'm the Lorax who speaks for the trees, which you seem to be chopping as fast as you please, but I'm also in charge of the brown barbaloots who played in the shade in their barbaloot suits and happily lived eating truffula fruits. Now, thanks to your hacking my trees to the ground, there's not enough truffle of fruit to go round, and my poor barbaloots are all getting the crummies because they have gas and no food in their tummies. They loved living here, but I can't let them say they'll have, fi- have to find food, and I hope that they may. Good luck, boys, he cried as he sent them away. I, the onceler felt sad, but I watched them all go. Business is business, and business must grow regardless of crummies and tummies, you know. I meant no harm, the onceler said. I most truly did not, but I had to grow bigger, so bigger I got. I biggered my factory, I biggered my roads, I biggered my wagons, I biggered the loads of the needs I shipped out. I was shipping them forth to the south, to the east, to the west, to the north. I went on biggering, selling more needs, and I biggered my money, which everyone needs. Then again, the Lorax came back. I was fixing some pipes when that old nuisance uh, came back with more gripes. I am the Lorax, he coughed and he whiffed. He sneezed and he snuffled, he snarkled, he sniffed. Wunzler, he cried with a cruffless croak. Wunzler, you're making such smogulous smoke. My poor swami swans, swans, they can't sing a note. and No one can sing who has smog in their throat. And so said the Lorax, please pardon my cough. They cannot live here. I'm sending them off. Where will they go? I, I don't hopefully know. They may have to fly for a month or a year to escape the smog you've smogged up around here. What's more, snapped the Lorax, his dander was up. Let me say a few words about Gluppity Glup. Your machinery chugs on day and night without stop, making Gluppity Glup, also Schloppity Schlop. And what do you know, uh, what do you do with the leftover goo? I'll show you, you dirty old Wunzler man, you. You're glumping the pond where the hummingfish hum. No more can they hum, for their gills are all gummed. So I'm sending them off. Oh, their future is dreary. They'll walk on their fins and they'll get woefully weary in search of some water that isn't so smeary. And then I got mad. I got terribly mad. I yelled at the Lorax. Now listen here, Dad. 
All you do is yap, yap, and say bad, 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 bad. Well, I have rights, sir, and I'm telling you, I intend to go on doing just what I do, and for your information, you Lorax, I'm figuring on biggering and biggering and biggering and biggering, turning more truffle trees into needs which everyone, everyone, everyone needs. And at that moment, we heard a loud whack from outside in the fields came a sickening smack of an axe on a tree, and then we heard the tree fall, the very last truffle tree of them all. No more trees, no more needs, no more work to be done. So in no time, my uncles and aunts, everyone, all waved goodbye, waved me goodbye. They jumped into my cars and drove away under the smoke-smuggered stars, and all that was left neath the bad-smelling sky was my big empty factory, the Lorax, and I. The Lorax said nothing, just gave me a glance, just gave me a very sad, sad backward glance. As he lifted himself by the seat of his pants, and I'll never forget the grim look on his face when he hoisted himself and took leave of this place through a hole in the smog without leaving a trace. And all that the Lorax left here in this mess was a small pile of rocks with one word, unless. Whatever that meant, well, I just couldn't guess. That was long, long ago, but each day since that day, I've sat here and worried and worried away. Through the years, while my buildings have fallen apart, I've worried about it with all my heart. He goes on and finishes the story. The point of the story is that selfishness destroys your life and the lives of those around you. I know that others have made this story mean a lot of different things, but Dr. Zeus himself said the Lorax was more about selfishness than being greedy. And when we look at our lives, I think we could perhaps acknowledge that, yes, selfishness is less good than not being selfish. And we'll try to ramp that up in a minute. But if we could just begin by acknowledging that selfishness is not as good as not being selfish. And and and. and while Dr. Zeus has some nice things to say, there are other people who have talked about selfishness and generosity. And just listen to some of these quotes. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Generosity. Samuel Johnson, he, he said, the true measure of a man is how he treats someone who can do him absolutely no good. Generosity. Anne Frank. She wrote, No one has ever become poor by giving. And John Bunyan. You have not lived until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. Even at Yale University in 2013 or 2015, they did a study where they discovered that one of the best ways to deal with stress in your life is by being generous with other people. Isn't that great? I mean, Dr. Zeus says greed is bad, selfishness is is bad, but being a giver instead of a taker, that's good. 
And you have Winston Churchill and Anne Frank and Samuel Johnson and, and, and John Bunyan. All these people, respectable people, talk about the value of generosity. And even Yale has a study that says it, it's good to be generous. It, it's a good way to deal with stress. Now, all that's neat, fine, and dandy, but the most powerful word that we can have is the word from Jesus. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, listen to what Paul writes. Now, Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus. He's getting ready to leave, and they know, and he knows that when he leaves Ephesus, he's going to be arrested in Jerusalem. And so there's a, there, there's a sense of sadness and finality as Paul is saying goodbye to the believers and the leaders in the church at Ephesus. And, and in chapter 20, this, this speech, he, this sermon, this talk, Paul is giving the church really marching orders. And he's saying, this is how I've lived my life. This is how I've done my ministry. I've given myself to speak the word of truth without apology and with, with courage. I've, I've done all that I can to, to bless others, to serve the Lord, to serve others, to preach the gospel. I've done all these things. Now, verse 35, our, our text today, verse 35, the last words he says um, face-to-face to these Ephesian church leaders, and here's what he said. He said, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus teaches us today that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I know that that, that that flies in the face of much of what, what we believe. Now, I know that we're in church and we, we would say, yes, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than receive. So we immediately say, absolutely. Okay, but let's think about it for a second. How much time, energy, focus do we give on ourselves? How much time, energy, focus do we give on how to help other people? On just simply helping someone else. What Jesus is saying here is it is more blessed to give than to receive. What that means is he's drawing a comparison. He says, okay, you've got two options. You can spend your life, spend your energy, focus on yourself with self-interest and even selfishness. You can focus on, on, on you, yourself, and, and that kind of thing. That, that's one way to live life, but it is more blessed to focus on others and how that you can give to others. You can spend your life thinking about what you get from others, or you can think, uh, live your life based upon how you can give to others. Now, here's the thing. How much of your life is given to what you can get rather than what you can give? And I know, look, I know, I know we're in church, and immediately you may think, well, I think more about giving than getting. But really, I, I mean, really, I'm not saying it's easy. 
I, I really, I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that one bit. I'm just saying that if this is what Jesus has told us we're supposed to do, then we better do what Jesus has told us to do. Am I right? It is more blessed to give than to receive. As we look at this, I, I want us to think in terms of the gospel. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's really what has shaped our life. And that's what continues to shape our life. The reason it is more blessed to give than to receive is because of what Jesus has done in our lives uh, and, and, and how the gospel has shaped us. It is, it is this beautiful picture of, of, of we deserve nothing but hell. That's us. That's what we deserve. We don't deserve a second chance. We don't deserve, uh, we don't deserve mercy. We don't deserve a, 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 a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. We don't deserve anything except judgment in hell. And the reason is because of our sin. Our sin has separated us from a holy God. And God's holiness doesn't um, give any kind of slack when it comes to sin. God's holiness doesn't say, oh, it's okay that you sinned. It's all right. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. God's holiness will not tolerate that. And God's holiness means uh, that I can't be friends with God because of my sin. You, I, we can't be friends with God because of our sinfulness. It's not going to happen. And there is nothing in you and there is nothing in me that calls forth God's mercy. All he sees is our sin. But the gospel comes to our rescue. Jesus comes to our rescue. The gospel says that even though we deserve nothing but hell and the chasm between sinners like you and me and a holy God is broader and wider than we could ever, uh, we could ever bridge uh, God sent Jesus to become the bridge on our behalf. Jesus, who is God, become flesh, born in a manger in a stable, lived his life holy without blemish or fault. Jesus went to a cross to die in our place so that through faith in him and repentance of our sin, we can have friendship with God. But it still isn't anything that you've done or I've done. And that's the gospel. The gospel says... You didn't, you, you didn't earn it, and you certainly didn't deserve it, but God gave. And that needs to shape how we live. See, if we're followers of Jesus, that should be shaping how we, how we live in relationship with other people. The gospel demands more than us selfishly sitting with our own clan and kind and saying, all that matters is me and those around me. Really? Is that what the gospel says? Is it? No. You see, God was completely fulfilled in the Trinity. He needed no one else. Not you, not me, no one. But he knows that we need him. And an act of selfless sacrifice, he sent Jesus to bridge the way outside his kind and clan, the Trinity, to reach you and me, sinners though we be, 
to bring us to himself. It is better to give than to receive. As we look at our lives, as we look at who we are as followers of Jesus, so often what we see in ourselves is the onceler. It's all about get, 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 take, 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 my, my, mine. It is my right to do whatever I want. Have you said that before? It is my right. See, as followers of Jesus, that's not our slogan. Do you hear me? It's not our slogan. It is my right. No, our slogan is, for the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Our slogan looks a lot different than I have my rights. So as we look at it is more blessed to give than to receive, why is it more blessed? Well, it's more blessed, first of all, because uh, generosity reveals the character of Jesus in us. Generosity itself reveals the character of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus and, and, and you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, then you want the character of Jesus to shine through you. That's your desire. By the way, if you're here today and the character of Jesus doesn't shine through you and hasn't shown through you and, and you don't care if it shines through you, then chances are you're not a follower of Jesus. No matter how long you've been a member of a church, no, no matter how many times you've walked down an aisle, no matter how many times you've been sprinkled or dunked or dipped, if you do not desire the character of Jesus to shine through you, then chances are you are not a follower of Christ. And you need to repent your sin today and come to Christ in faith. And stop living this pretend life. But because we are followers of Jesus, we want the character of Jesus to shine through us. And, and this is the character of Jesus, that, that, that he came to, 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 to serve, not to be served. He came to, 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 to give, not to get. And, and you and I, as his, as his offspring, as, as, his, as his little ones, we are here to, to, to follow in the footsteps of of Jesus, Jesus who, who has given us so much. I mean, not because we earned it or deserve it, but because he, in his character, gave. I read these passages a few moments ago, but let me remind you of just a few of them. Jesus gave to us what? Love. Not because we earned his love or deserve his love, but because in his character, he wants to give us love. And we were sinners, but God demonstrates his love toward us even in, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, this wondrous picture of generosity looks a lot like the cross. He gave. Generosity looks a lot like a sacrificing Savior. 
He, 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 in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, it, in verse 7, he, he gives us forgiveness. But, but it's not forgiveness at no cost. It's forgiveness by the price of his own blood. Jesus gave his blood so that we could be forgiven our sin. It's the cross. Generosity looks a lot like a sacrificing Savior who says it is better to give than to receive. Uh, Ephesians 2, even though we are, uh, we are hostile toward God, even though we're at enemy with God, even though, we're host, uh, even, even though we, we, we are uh, uh, dead in our trespasses and sin, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you've been saved. We were dead and 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 Jesus has brought us to life, but that didn't come at no cost. See, we can live because Jesus died in our place. He gave his life for us. This is who Jesus is. This is his character. This is the shining example of the gospel that has, has saved us Jesus has been generous with us, and and so now we, in response, should shine his character to the people that we encounter. Paul said it this way. He said, help the weak. Help those who are in need. The beautiful picture of the gospel alive in us means that we should be carrying The cross, just as Jesus did. I mean, Jesus said something like that, didn't he? Uh, Didn't he? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow after me. Denying self. Denying self. Denying self. You get that? Deny self. And yet you sit and you want what... What, what you think you deserve? Well, I deserve this or I deserve that. What, what do you mean deny self? Well, I don't, I've paid too many prices to deny self. Really? And you call that the character of Jesus? I don't. The Bible doesn't. If anyone desires to follow after me, let him take up his, deny himself, take up his cross and follow after me. Luke records, it says, deny yourself daily. Not just so every now and then, not just when it suits you, not just when you hear a talk about it. Deny yourself daily. This is the character of Jesus. Are you displaying the character of Jesus? Or are you fighting for your rights? You see, the other reason that it is more blessed to give than to receive is not only because it displays the character of Jesus in us, but also because it dismantles selfishness. Generosity dismantles selfishness. Do you realize that it's selfishness isn't just a bad thing? Selfishness is a sin. Selfishness, and let's all say this together because it's going to be helpful for you and me. One, two, three. Selfishness is a sin. Let's say it again. Selfishness is a sin. Let's say it one more time. Selfishness is a sin. 
Now, we like to think of selfishness as just the way we're supposed to live our lives. I want my rights. But when we remember the cross and what that means and how I should live, and the words of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive, we understand that, no, it's not about my rights. Unlike the onceler who says, I have the right to do whatever I want to do. Can I tell you as a follower of Jesus, you gave up your rights. Come on. Selfishness is a sin. Self-focused, self-centered kind of living, that's a sin. Selfishness runs counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Selfishness is the opposite of self-sacrifice. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Now, I want you to hear this because this is the word of the Lord. And it applies to your life and mine. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others more important than ourselves. Let's just stop there. This is our calling as followers of Jesus. Not, how do I get what I want? Not, how can I get mine? Not, what are you doing for me? But following in the footsteps of Jesus and his teaching, it is better, more blessed to give than to receive. We determine that others are more important than self. Is that your attitude? Do you truly consider other people more important than yourself. Now look, I understand that's hard, but that's still the mandate from God's Word. Do you, do you believe the Bible to be true? Look at me. Do you believe it to be true? If you believe it to be true, then you've got to own this. Jesus is saying the better way of life is to dismantle selfishness by being generous toward others. Are you being generous toward others? Are you dismantling selfishness? Generosity dismantles selfishness because it awakens in us the very heartbeat of Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. We, we want to look more like him and act more like him because we're followers of Jesus. And so, so the character of Christ is unleashed in us and, and I'm looking at others and I'm seeing opportunities. I've got to give. I've got to give. I've got to give. Why? Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. But there is a, a battle that rages within us. But what about me? But what about me? But what about me? Do you ever have that? What about my rights? What about what I want? But the, the problem with that viewpoint is that it 
still centers on myself. And I've only, I've only quoted two passages that talk about selflessness rather than selfishness. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny self. Another word for that is get rid of selfishness. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing, zero, not, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others more important, of greater priority than yourself. It's where we are looking outward, not inward. It's where we're focused on others, not self. And if we fail in this, then we fail God. Do you get it? I'm not just given a good stewardship talk so that we can get more money in the coffers. This is life and death. This is a powerful life versus an empty life. Could it be that perhaps the reason the reason your relationships are in shambles is because of your selfishness? Your failure to acknowledge that your selfishness is sin. Could it be that the reason the reason your dissatisfied at church or at home or in life is because of your selfishness and your refusal to acknowledge that selfishness is sin? Guys, listen. It is more blessed to give than to get. That's what Jesus says. The last thing that I would just suggest, the reason it is better uh, and, and more blessed to give than to receive is because generosity fulfills the law of love. And this is the law. You know the law of love. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment of all is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one likened to it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself is called the law of love. And, and in James chapter 2, he calls it the royal law of love. He says, he says, if you show partiality or favoritism or if you don't treat people with um, the poor as well as the rich with the same, through the same lens of, of, of giving and sacrifice and love, then you are sinning against God. In fact, down in, in, in James chapter 2, not just 7 and 8, but down in verses 15, 16, and 17, he gives an example. And James writes, he says, if, if someone comes up to you and uh, some poor person comes up to you and they don't have clothes to wear and don't have food to eat, and your response to them is, go in peace and be blessed. Uh, the, a common uh, 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 a contemporary uh, response would be, I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray for you, sister. And James writes in, in James chapter 2, 15, 16, 17, says, if you, if you respond to someone in need with, uh, I'll pray for you, he asks the question, what good is that? Literally, that's what he says. What good is that? And he says in verse 17, in the same way, faith without works is dead. 
You know what he's saying? He's saying love, real love, is active. If we're going to fulfill the law of love, it's not by passively thinking good thoughts or sending good vibes people's way. It's where we actually engage them in the point of their need, and we give to meet those needs. We bless them. We seek to help them. We're not worried about what they're going to do for us in return. That's not even on the scale. We're not even thinking about what I get back. We're only thinking about demonstrating the character of Jesus. We're only thinking about diminishing and dismantling our selfishness. We're only thinking about fulfilling the law of love. We want to love people the way God has loved us. So how can I help you? What it comes down to is we need to start making to love lists rather than to do lists. It comes from Ann Vascomp. I've started reading, in fact, read, almost read a book last night about Van Ascomp called The Broken Way. Edie's been reading it, and she gave it to me. And, and, and I'm telling you, it, 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 just, it, it just overwhelmed me. But instead of making to do lists, why not, why not make to love lists? transform the things. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this in order to satisfy some agenda that we have. Um, and most of those agendas are, are usually selfish in some way. But, but rather than making that, that to-do list, let's, let's start making to-love list. How can we love others the way Jesus has loved us? How can we give ourselves away? Because maybe that's how we, we, we dismantle the cheapening of our life. Maybe we, 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 we start loving people by giving ourselves away in such a way that we show them who Jesus is. Maybe that's how we gain value and meaning and significance in our daily life, by by loving them. Why don't we transform our to-do list into a to-love list and see how that can change people? Oh, what would happen in our church? What would happen in our families if, if, if the culture began to change, if our DNA changed? Instead of being like the onceler, where it's all about me, get, get, get. But we started acting more like Jesus. How can I give, give, give? It is better to give than to receive. Mentality begins to shape our character, our life, and our lifestyle. I do believe it will change. It'll change our families. It will change our marriages. It will change our parenting. It'll change our, 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 our work relationships. It will change our church. It will change the seven cities of Hampton Roads. And I believe it can change the world. But it's got to begin here. It's got to begin now. One of my heroes is Chuck Colson. I had the privilege of, of going and, and, and attending his, his uh, funeral service uh, a few years ago when he passed away. But But uh, there's a quote that he gives. It says, Christians who understand biblical truth and have the courage to live it out can indeed redeem a culture or even create one. Now, I want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying, if you and I will be obedient to biblical truth, then culture will change. Hampton Roads can change. Our world can change if we're obedient to biblical truth. And, and, and Jesus said, this is biblical truth. It is better to give than to receive. So today, will you commit yourself? 
Will you give yourself? Will you be generous? Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive. 